3: Well, I was about to say, do we start with the bad news or the bad news from the weekend? It's kind of hard to do that with that song starting us off here. Uh, so I guess we can say happy birthday to Henry Winkler. Yeah,
1: really? It was a little, little bit of a Chiefs connection, even though, as you said, the rest of the news isn't great. But yeah, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, celebrating his 78th birthday today. Happy birthday, He was
3: all over morning shows today. Was he Talking funny? about his birthday and his book, the book tour. <laughs> of course. On. Gotta, so.
1: have the, gotta have the book to flog as well.
3: So the game was nice.
1: Well, yeah, not really. (laughs) Uh, Things things didn't go quite as planned. Can can we question, are we allowed to question the wisdom of starting a quarterback who is suffering from the ravages of the flu?
3: Can we say now that Taylor Swift should have been there? (laughs) Ooh, there it is. Boom. Can, can, Uh, Can we point out now that, you know. First time Can we hold doesn't... off on the tour and just get her at these games for a while? <laughs> um, First time yeah. she doesn't
1: show up for a game in a little while, and all of a sudden, yeah, not not so great.
3: Yeah, he wasn't feeling well. And then stupid Denver had to, like, rub our noses in it and play what Taylor Swift song did they play then? As they stormed out of the field after the win, oh. one of them. I stopped caring at that point. Yeah, I
1: I missed that detail. Shake it off, yeah. I think. Was it shake it off? Okay, yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, the, so the streak ends at 16 games, which is I uh, I'm trying to remember if that's the second or third longest dominance of one team by another one in any sport. 16 games in a row, and I'm not sure. I know what the longest is, uh, but yeah, it's it's right up there. Uh, that's rare to see one team beat another one that regularly.
3: So that was neat. And that's probably yeah, all we have to say about it. Pretty um, much. The next game is in Germany. That is this Sunday morning at 8:30 Central Time. Yeah, and um, that is
1: not going to be an easy game either.
3: Uh, why why not
1: take it on Miami? I mean Miami's been on a bit of a hot streak. so is it Tyreek Hill? Uh, yeah. Is uh-huh. it face
3: us off against Tyreek Hill.
1: Yes, absolutely. And keeps it interesting. As we've seen before, uh, you know, the time change can be a little bit of an issue for some teams. So, we'll see what happens.
3: Uh, does Germany do daylight saving, daylight savings time? Do they do the flip like we do? I don't know. I, I I
1: think we may be unique in that. I don't know if there's any of that. I thought that was an American thing, but maybe not. I don't know. We'd
3: have to check. I have no idea. So it's a seven hour time difference normally. And I just don't know, does it become... I don't like math. Does it become six (laughs) hours or something? Because I don't don't know. Either way. Actually, it would be be
1: worse. Does it go the other way? If if the clock went back here and stayed the same there, that would make it a longer time difference.
3: Yep. I don't know if they do it, but that that won't help the jet lag. Do we know when they're going? Do we know when they leave? I hope soon.
1: Wow. Hey, check this out. Apparently, 70 countries uh, observe daylight saving time. I had okay. no idea. I, like I said, I just—I always thought that was just us. But, no, apparently we're not alone in that. Uh, it doesn't look like, let's see, yes, uh, all of Europe does.
3: How about that? Okay, so we will stay on the seven-hour difference. Do they do it on the same date? I don't know. Because I know that to be inconsistent, just because I've looked at going to countries at this time no, of year. No, in fact, they don't
1: do it. They're already there. Uh, okay. According to what I have in front of me from webexhibits.org, uh, the entire European Union begins daylight saving time the last Sunday in March and ends daylight saving time the last Sunday in October. So okay. uh, that would have been yesterday.
3: So they just did it. Okay. But we... So... It'll be seven hours on Sunday. Yes. It'll still be a set. Okay. We'll both be there by then. Okay. So hopefully they're leaving in enough time to get through that jet lag and get through the body clock difference in plenty of time before that game. Hopefully Patrick Mahomes does whatever magic has to happen <laughs> so that he gets healthy. Hopefully nobody else gets sick before then. Now boarding an airplane for that flight that it takes to get there and all that kind of stuff. Well, you know that's that's a
1: great point too, and that's another thing that people were yakking about a lot online yesterday. Is you, you've got to remember, not only is he sick, but every single member of that offensive huddle, he's yelling at all of them before right. every play and just spewing out particulates. Uh, yeah, it's it's not a great idea. So definitely, fingers crossed that nobody else catches it.
3: Listen, there's only six of us that share those microphones, and look at how fast we all get oh, sick. No kidding. Because of that, so we just we know how fast that that can go through. So hopefully he he's containing himself and, and gets healthy here. A few thoughts on the game. We, of course, will talk about Matthew Perry. We'll get to that coming up here. But feel free, 913 586 we got four hours to go. We can talk about the game for a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, Hetty's in Prairie Village and is going to kick us off on this. Hey, Hedy. Oh, thank
0: you, thank you for bringing up the fact that they didn't put in the back of the quarterback. I missed it, because all of that. Nobody, because nobody's talked about it. And like you just said, he's in the huddle making everybody else sick. Yeah. I don't understand.
1: Yeah, well, and it didn't work out well either, uh, Hetty. Thank you. Uh, yeah, she was talking about yeah. Why didn't they put the backup quarterback in? It doesn't. Oh, yeah. It doesn't show a lot of faith in your backup, first of all. But I, you can kind of understand it from the chief standpoint too. You have uh, by far one of the best quarterbacks in the league. If he's not, if he's able to go, and if he tells you he's able to go, you're going to start him.
3: Yes, and he's not feeling great and this felt like a game we were, you know, sort of destined to win anyway. Sure. Why not let your backup have a chance at it for a while? If your backup's not amazing, then you put your your number one in.
1: (laughs) Yeah, to to kind of do cleanup duty at the end. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of second guessing that's going to go on. Look, a couple of things happened at the same time, and it's not that Patrick Mahomes was the only chief who didn't look like he was having his best game yesterday. So you had maybe a little bit of looking past the Broncos, maybe just, you know, sometimes teams have have bad games and it just so happened that it fell on the same week that the Broncos played better than they've played all year long C- clearly especially on defense they were all over the Chiefs offensive line yesterday
3: yeah I know I'm um, somebody said it might have been Dana that said where's Chad Henny when you need him yeah retired Happily, yep. happily retired and and nowhere to be found at we, this point. Can we bring Alex Smith back? He's not doing anything, is he? <laughs> you know,
1: sure, the guy had his legs destroyed, but he, he had a pretty good season there for Washington at the end.
3: Somebody said six ten said we're wrong, that it would be a longer time change. Well, who do you trust more, John or six ten?
1: Um, so that would mean well, we we change on November fourth, do we not?
3: We changed Saturday night before the game.
1: Oh, it's Saturday. Okay, yeah. So, all right. Yeah, technically it would. But, yeah, because they're going to be – they'll already be in Germany by Thursday.
3: Yes. Anyway, so it's still going to be jet lag. uh It's still going to be difficult. And it's usually more difficult – I'm trying to remember if going east or west is usually harder. And I feel like it's that direction that's more difficult, that going east is harder. But –
1: uh, I don't know. I, I, Depends on who you are. I, right. It, it never It's never easy for me one way or the yeah. other. <laughs> Whenever yeah. it changes, it's wrong.
3: Um, okay. So the other news, of course, from the weekend, I was with, um, I was down in Hutchinson on Saturday night visiting family I hadn't seen in a while. And we're hanging out, new baby in the family, my mom's in town, and we're in the middle of, you know, other conversation about family. And this is the kind of news that somebody sees and you interrupt conversation to say, and I don't know what we were talking about, but you interrupt conversation to say, oh my God, Matthew Perry died. Yeah. And that, I think we were watching, we'd seen a KU game during the day. So I think sports was on all day. And so you immediately turn on CNN. We're all immediately on our phones. I'm checking to see if you know, like it's, it's the kind of thing that you just kind of check around and see if everybody knew and just, um Wow. And then just some of the few, we got a few details over the weekend, but not a lot.
1: No. And it looks like a lot of that may be changing as well, because the the first thing that they said and the reason they said it is obvious because of Matthew Perry's history is that there were no drugs found at the scene. Because he has a history with cocaine use. He has a history with painkillers. You know, he's... (laughs) Name it. And and Matthew Perry's had a problem with it over time. And he never made any secret about that. He was very, very open about his stints in rehab and everything else. Even talked at one point about looking back at old episodes of Friends. And he Mm -hmm. could tell what drug he was on at the time by looking at himself.
3: I have heard that quote so many times that I know it. Right. He said, if he was heavier, he was drinking if he was skinny he was doing drugs and if he was really skinny he was doing multiple drugs at that time yep um and then he said he had a hard time going back and watching it because he could just tell how unhealthy he was the whole time yeah um if you have thoughts 913-586-7798 there's a lot to get to here um to talk about with it just the reaction from the weekend we have not yet heard from the cast of friends i'm sort of surprised that has not happened yet or the rest of the cast they intend on putting out a joint statement all together uh, the one thing I heard is that who played Phoebe, Lisa Kudrow, Lisa Kudrow um, yeah. something came out about her maybe taking Matthew Perry's dog. Like she might oh, wow. adopt Matthew Perry's dog. Somehow that came out somewhere over the weekend. He apparently got a, a dog in the pandemic and cute. And so there was something about her maybe taking the dog. I didn't know until the weekend that Matthew Perry's stepdad is, has been on dateline forever. Keith Morrison. Yep. I didn't know that that was him at all until that news came out over the weekend. Um, I think there's also a conversation to be had, and I was looking up some of the science over the weekend, and frankly, John, I thought of you having a hot tub at home. <laughs> there, is, there is conversation to be had about, um, we don't know the cause of death yet because they're waiting until they get toxicology back. It's not the first time we've heard about someone going into cardiac arrest in a hot tub, and it just makes sense because your blood pressure goes, your temperature goes up and your blood pressure goes down. And so if you have a history of heart trouble, he apparently had COPD from being a smoker for a really long time. That usually goes hand in hand with heart trouble. so, yeah, I thought, oh, gosh, <laughs> please, everybody who's got a hot tub, be yeah. careful.
1: Yeah, and, and so. to that end, by the way, uh, even with the COPD, which is a pulmonary disorder, there's a reason they call it the cardiopulmonary system. You're right. That's all kind of right. intercombined. Inner but also, I mean, heart disease and smoking go hand in hand. Yeah. So it, it, whether, I mean, he may very well have had undiagnosed heart disease or could have been diagnosed and he just never told anybody about it.
3: Yeah, I know some of you were wondering about whether it was suspicious. Um, What came out this morning and what I'd heard over the weekend, he had been playing pickleball that morning and apparently had gotten really into pickleball. I mean, played an hour or two every day, had been playing pickleball Saturday morning, got tired, left early because he wasn't, he he was tired and worn down, went home, sent his assistant out to pick up a pair of prescription glasses and an iPhone. Two hours later, the assistant comes back, and that's who found him. Um, the assistant calls nine one one, and his I can't remember if it was his brother or his sister, um, but then starts to call family, and that's how that happened. So
1: yeah, and the the latest on this, by the way, is that the coroner's the initial coroner's report has come out. There was an autopsy done, so we we have a coroner's report, but under cause of death, it simply at this point says deferred. Yeah, and the reason for that is that they're waiting for results of toxicology
3: tests. Um, we can get to a quick call here before we take a break. Ashley's called us up at a KC. Hey, Ashley.
4: Hey, guys. Something you need to remember on somebody that did a lot of hard drugs
1: like Matt Perry did, uh, it, it ruins your heart and it does a
3: whole lot of damage to your heart so it's very possible i'm so sad i own every season of friends my mom and i used to watch it religiously as a kid uh chandler was always my favorite character because he was a smart aleck and well i am too but (laughs) we uh, hadn't noticed uh, yeah i was glad to hear though that there were no drugs found at the scene so that's at least a good thing i'm just hoping that it was just a freak thing and his heart gave out that he will be dearly
1: missed. Oh no doubt. And yeah. and thank you Ashley for that. Yeah, she's absolutely right. I mean, not only is smoking you know really damaging to your heart, but cocaine, yeah, hearts don't tend to like that a whole lot.
3: Yeah. And it's just it was particularly sad I think because he finally got sober. I mean, he finally got clean and and did the book and you know and and said I'm I'm done, I'm clean. Um We'll take a break here. And then Colin and I both had the same thought after the news came out. And John, I think you were out last October when he gave the initial interviews after this book came out. And he did an interview with Diane Sawyer. And there was a quote out of that interview that we we talked about a lot when it came out and immediately came to mind where she had asked him, how do we know if you've relapsed? How do we know we should be worried about you? And, and we'll just play some of that. If you have further thoughts, 913-586-7798. Back here in just a couple of minutes on KMBZ coming up we have new updates uh about the suspect in the mass shooting in maine that uh, came out friday night more details over the weekend we'll get to that here in a couple of minutes but we were just talking a little bit more about the death of Matthew Perry at the age of 54, Um, and you had mentioned other acting projects as well that we'll talk about, some other things that he was known for.
1: Yeah, he was, um, he he had a tendency to end up in interesting projects, and there was a movie that came out, oh, it's got to be about 20 years ago now, uh, called The Whole Nine Yards, and it was him and Bruce Willis, and it was this weird, it was all shot in Canada, and it was this strange kind of mob mystery thing going on, and there was this shootout in a house that lasted far too long, but it was it's a comedy. I mean, it's it's a hilarious movie. It was extremely well done. And you know, Matthew Perry was effectively playing the same kind of sort of semi-neurotic character that he played in Friends. Uh-huh. So it, it didn't show, you know, a tremendous amount of range on his part, but there was nobody, I don't think, that could have pulled that off better than he did. He was perfectly cast in it.
3: It's funny because I remember him for a couple of other smaller TV roles that were, he just was always memorable in everything that he did. Um, He had a really impactful story arc in the West Wing. He played a a lawyer that came in, and if you haven't seen, the, I'm going to ruin this for you, the show's 20 years old. (laughs) Um, He played a character who discovered infidelity on the part of the vice president that led to the vice president having to resign. And in fact, there were people that were kind of mad that that story arc wasn't given to a regular character that he w- he came on as a guest star and played this role that then had this huge you know story arc for uh, a turn in the show and then he did Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip which was one season yeah. with Bradley Whitford who was from the West Wing that I liked um he did a version of the odd couple that went one season i mean after friends he just kept trying to find that thing that that was going to keep him a new regular thing.
1: Yeah, and and it's it's funny because, yeah, the, um, outside of, like, the whole Nine Yards has achieved kind of a cult status. Uh, it's one of those movies, it's like office space, you know, that, that uh, there's a certain crowd that absolutely loves that movie. But you're right, outside of that, he never really hit big again. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, like you said, he was always fun to watch. He was always interesting to watch. And uh, it it is strange and kind of sad that he was never able to find something. Although I mean we say it's kind of sad. Did you see the house?
3: <laughs> right.
1: He's fine. Actually, you know,
3: he, he was doing fine. Actually though, given that at one point he was making a million dollars an episode for friends. Uh huh. I think that house is only, I'm about to say, only worth like $6 million, something <laughs> Gee, like that. Is
1: that all yeah, the guy. It was only
3: four bedrooms, uh-huh. like four bedrooms, three and a half bath. It had a, a really amazing view That's, over the ocean. Right.
1: The view and the pool and the hot tub and the whole, yeah, it was, yeah. that was a very, very nice place to live.
3: I mean, keep in mind, Travis Kelsey just bought a house for six million here in Kansas City, so by comparison. Um, So real quick, I just wanted to play um, just this clip that we had talked about when he first gave, gave a lot of interviews after the book came out. He did one with Diane Sawyer, who I totally respect as an interviewer. They went through a lot of the book and then at the very end of the interview, it was the last question she asked him. We'll just play this here for you.
4: How will we know when you're in trouble and you're not okay? If I say I'm just going to chill alone at home tonight, and part two, the other thing, is if I ever say I'm cured,
3: it was just really um the conversation that we had at the time was the first thing that came to mind for me was, man, that's maybe a question we should all ask our friends. Like how do we, given our conversations about mental health lately? how do we know, like, what's the question we should ask you or what's the lie that you tell us for us to know that we need to dig a little bit more? But it was just, it was. I just loved the question. It was just such a fantastic question for her to ask him. And he was really, really thoughtful about the answer.
1: Yeah, because you can. I mean, you can ask that question in a million different directions. I mean, substance abuse is only one of them and mental mm-hmm. health is obviously one as well. But yeah, how will I, as your friend, know when you're in trouble?
3: Yeah, without you telling me you're in trouble. Yeah. What's the thing I need to be listening for to know we need to ask a few more questions? And that
1: that that the first half of that answer, uh, that kind of strikes me a little bit of I'm trying to figure out how to put this into words. When he said if I just say I'm going to go chill at home tonight, that's code for I'm going to go do drugs or go drink or or whatever because right. it, you know, it also seems that I mean, plenty of times I've said that very thing. And uh, you know, I just feel like going home and chilling down. And, and it doesn't mean any of that. That does that mean that Matthew Perry was one of those people who could not be by himself.
3: Which is interesting because he lived alone. He he was never married, he was engaged um recently, a few years ago, and then that ended after six months. He was known for having girlfriends, but was never really known to be deeply serious with anybody. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't know if there's a difference between somebody who says they want to be alone that doesn't have an addiction versus somebody that does. Yeah. If you need to read that a little differently.
1: Oh, definitely. Yeah. And even if it's somebody without an addiction, I mean, I know people who are like that, who who cannot stand to be alone, who don't like spending too much time in their own heads, mm-hmm. and they go one of two directions. Either they're out partying every night so that they don't have to think about whatever it is they're trying not to think about, or they bury themselves in work.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I just appreciate someone who knows about themselves again I just I I can't say enough about the question um for someone who knows enough enough about themselves and it sort of felt like he was saying to the world like hey this is when I need you to check on me I'm by myself I'm telling you I'm 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 there and I'm recovered but I'm never going to be cured if I tell you I am here's when I need you to to check and see how I'm doing. Yeah,
1: it's, so it's a scary thing because you never, as as somebody who had a close friend over the last few years, uh, decide that he wanted to to end it all and did. Um, I will tell you, you never get over that. Why didn't you call me? Oh yeah, you know why? Why didn't Same. you just pick yeah. up the phone? And and I would have been there, you know, it's like I I would have been by your side as soon as I could possibly have been there. And you never want to be the one who is left with that, who's left Mm -hmm. with why didn't you just pick up the phone? But uh, too often we we don't see it. We don't see it coming. Mm -hmm. And people, whether it's depression or drug use or whatever, are extremely adept at hiding it.
3: And again, it's for him to know this is this is what I will tell you where, you know, to call me out on it. 913 nine one three five eight six seven seven nine eight. if you have comments on that. Uh, still to come this hour, we now know more about the suspect in the mass shootings in Maine, about what police may have known ahead of time. Get to that coming up here on KMBZ.
0: Tune In is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively Sports.
1: clock at 4. Doncic.
3: 913 uh Again, we don't know the exact cause of death for actor Matthew Perry. We know that the initial call was, um, they thought he had drowned. It turned out it was cardiac arrest while he was in the hot tub at his house. Uh, there were a variety of prescription medications that were found in his house, anti-anxiety meds, antidepressants. He was on meds for COPD, but nothing that was found right there. I mean, there was nothing right by the hot tub that would indicate, took a bunch of pills and then, Got in the tub.
1: Right. So we're just waiting with the rest of the world to see what the results of the toxicology test are. I'm sure they'll make an announcement about that. And in the meantime, we're all just left here. I mean, you know, it may have had nothing to do with any of that. Uh, Certainly, it was a very hard life, and he bore the ravages of that. I mean, if you've seen recent pictures of him. For a 54-year-old guy, I mean, he and I were extremely close in age. I think he's like 26 days older than me.
3: Something, August 19th.
1: Yeah, yeah I and mean, I'm Since. September 15th of the same year. So, uh, yeah, to, I mean, it, first of all, it felt a little good to have so many people say, wow, he was so young. I'm like, okay, well, good. Mm-hmm. But uh, we don't know. I mean, he, he did not look great for the age that he was, and I'm sure, I mean, he would probably say that a lot of that was his own fault. And yet uh, it could have been something as simple as it just, his body was done. It just gave up.
3: Yeah. Uh, if you have thoughts here, feel free to get in. Nathan has called us out of KCK. Hi, Nathan.
4: Hello. Um, lately with the conversations about addiction that I've had, and uh, not to be presumptuous, I know that we don't know the cause of death or anything like that, but it seems like throughout many of these conversations uh, that I've had anecdotally, Um, There's a lot of compassion that extends to people that have uh, addiction that is triggered by quote-unquote chemical triggers as opposed to, I guess, an action such as shopping, um, running, like doing exercise, working too much um, or anything like that. And I just wish we would also um, continue to extend that compassion towards people that don't have quote-unquote chemical-based triggers to an addiction because it is the rule it is not the exception when you look at a neurobiology textbook addiction is a hijacking of the dopamine pathways they're all the same mechanism uh it is the one thing that we love and um that, that's pretty much um not my, my thoughts on this i just wish we would extend that compassion to everyone
1: all right uh nathan thank you i i, I think that um I think there are some pretty dramatic differences. Uh, we've gone back and forth many times on this show about what constitutes an addiction and what constitutes a compulsion. Um, and you're right. I mean, you can feed your dopamine sensors a zillion different ways, but some of those come with a, an added component of withdrawal and withdrawal that can be serious enough to kill you where things like working too much and shopping addiction generally don't. Uh, It's not that I think one is easier or better, you know, easier dealt with than another. I just think they're different things.
3: Me too. And quite frankly, I'm not an expert. I, I know what my personal experience has been with people I have known with various things that I consider to be addiction. This is one of those things where I feel like sometimes the label doesn't matter. It's the behaviors. I, I don't think sure. that very often. Very often, I think the label helps a lot. It helps us to define it. It helps us know how to react to it. But then there are times like this where I think the label doesn't matter. It's the behavior that matters. And it's how you change the behavior, not necessarily what you call it.
1: Yeah, Well, so, sure. And if you're doing something that you cannot control, if, if you're engaging in behaviors that you don't like and you can't stop yourself from doing it, then, yeah, is there really a difference from one to the other? maybe not but it's just the you know, there, there are so many added components that go along with alcoholism and drug addiction that um yeah I think it, it separates them somewhat
3: I think your 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 point about the withdrawal though is a very serious distinction yeah because of how serious. frankly you need drugs sometimes for your withdrawal sure I mean just to be able to handle that so all right thanks to everybody for getting in here uh we will no doubt Find out whatever is new about this today and certainly pass that along to you. All right. Moving now to a big story of last week. Uh, It was Friday night that we found out that the body of Robert Card, the suspect in the deaths of 18 people in Maine, had been found. That number has not gone up, right? That number is still 18? As far
1: as I know, it's still 18 and 13 wounded.
3: Okay, um, so his body was found on Friday night uh, in a trailer. We know we know more about that. We know more now about the note that he left, and we know more about what police knew weeks ago.
1: This is absolutely maddening. Uh, the only the only comparison that I could draw after learning some about what was done and more to the point, what was not done before the shooting happened, reminded me of Uvalde and And the fact that we had that seventy what was the seventy seven minute period where police were there on scene and didn't do yeah. anything? Yep. well, now we find out in this case that weeks before the shooting happened, that the police in Maine had been alerted that Robert Card was planning something, and more specific than that, that he was planning a shooting. They didn't know what. They didn't know what the the extent of it might be. They didn't know exactly where it was going to be. But it was serious enough that for two weeks they stepped up patrols around his house and waited for him to come home. Fact is, he never did. But here's what makes this a hundred times worse is that, first of all, they don't seem to know exactly who called off the search for him. Mm -hmm. And it was never really a search anyway. They were just staking his house out, waiting for him to come home. because it went there, banged on the door. He didn't answer. And then they just kept watching the outside of the house to see if he ever came home. Well, if you get word that somebody's planning a shooting and all of a sudden you can't find him... Doesn't that make it seem like you should maybe be more concerned rather than just two weeks later going, well, I guess he's not coming home. Let's all get out of here, guys.
3: Yeah, I wonder how you make the decision about when or why to step down those patrols because it wasn't just at his house. It was at the base because that's where the the allegation came in where he was going to cause trouble. I don't. Um, yeah, I'm looking through other versions of this to see no one's taking responsibility. No, for of course it. not. <laughs> yeah, and and they.
1: I mean, at one point they even asked. Uh, I believe it was the chief of police. Uh, you know how the decision was made and what kind of follow up was done, and he started shuffling papers around on his desk, going, "Gee, I don't know." Uh, but, yeah, I don't know if there's any follow up.
3: Uh, is that Jack Clements that you're talking yes. about? The police chief, is it Saco, which is home to the, or Saco, I never know, uh, home to the U.S. Army Reserve Base where he had trained. The quote was, we added extra patrols. We did that for two weeks. The guy never showed up. Yeah. So, like, what are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know.
1: Police work? I mean, <laughs> if if uh-huh. the guy had, uh, you know, if, if he had kidnapped somebody and then he just didn't come home for two weeks, would you give up? Yeah. I, I, I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't expand the search at that point. And I mean, they keep talking about red flags and Maine's yellow flag law that isn't quite a red flag law and what co- you know what counts for that and what doesn't. But for crying out loud, I mean if, if the guy who's planning the shooting disappears from his house for two weeks, it seems like that's more than a red flag. That's telling you he's preparing to do something awful.
3: Uh, the county sheriff, Joel Mary, whose jurisdiction includes uh, Cards Home and Bowden, said the Army Reserve tipped his department in September to the reservist threats. The sheriff sent the awareness alert to every law enforcement agency in the state uh, after his deputy came back empty handed from a welfare check to Cards Home. Then Mary said we couldn't locate him and then saying he couldn't recall if there was any follow up because I don't have any reports in front of me. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, I don't know if there's any. Somebody there. seriously
3: goofed here somewhere. Big
1: time. Uh, yeah, the the chief Clements also defended the department's response to the alert about Card, which he described as you know a generic thing that came out saying, hey, you know we've uh, we've had some report that this guy's made some veiled threats, so he's trying to downplay. I mean, you spent two weeks waiting for him to come home. And now you're saying, well, you know, we really weren't that concerned about it. It was kind of a generic thing. You don't take cops off the beat for two weeks and stick them outside some guy's house because you're not concerned about them. But at some point, I mean, why, if you're that concerned, why did it not
3: go the next step where you start asking family and friends, where is he? Uh, yeah. Um, boy, the more I read about what Clements said, Clements noted his department gets many such alerts you <laughs> that, do that's a little concerning what's going you on do? in maine <laughs> this is out of the ap and that his officers gave this one it's due attention keeping an eye on the base for any side of card he said we never came into contact with him we never got any phone calls from the reserve center saying we got someone who's causing a problem we never got anything this is everybody blaming somebody else yep.
1: Yeah, the army's going to blame him. He's going to blame the army. They're all going to, yeah. And and what it all amounts to is that they knew they had a problem on their
3: hands. And when they couldn't find it easily, they gave up. So he was found Friday night. Um, the thing that we know, we know a little bit more about the note. Um, we do know that it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. That was not a huge shock. Um, but they said, we knew about that note that had been found um, in his home. What we know now is that it was to a loved one and included bank account numbers and the password to his phone. So he either expected to be killing himself or expected to die by police.
1: Yes, and and it wasn't really clear which one it was because it made some kind of, of, I mean, there was a line in there that was somewhere along the lines of the cliche from the movies of by the time you read this, I'll be dead. It, It was close to that. Uh, And you're right. That doesn't really indicate what that means. Does that mean that you're planning on suicide after you do what you're about to do, which is what happened? Or do you just figure that you're going to go down in a hail of bullets when the cops get there? But either way, now we know what the end of the story was. And, you know, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't understand, and I hope I never do, what that murderous rage is all about. But if that's where you know you're going... How about take yourself out before you you know you get involved, get a bunch of innocent people involved in this, you know? It's not that I would ever advocate somebody committing suicide, but if you're bound and determined to do it, leave us out of it.
3: Yeah, we've also talked um, about needing to remember the victims, and you mentioned Uvaldi, which is a good time to mention this here for a quick sec. They today are breaking ground on a new elementary school there yeah um, with plans to honor the victims of that shooting at Rob Elementary.
1: That's great news. Um, and yeah I, I, I can't imagine anybody would want to walk back into that building um, but you know, for for them to t- take that step, I think it's an, an interesting sort of symbolic gesture. Um, What I think they need to do now is they need to continue the house cleaning that we were all clamoring for when we found out how botched that entire scenario was.
3: I'm just looking for other detail about this. Um, uh, Givaldi was originally named for the oak trees that fill the region's landscape. Each branch of the school's tree will represent a victim when they do this new memorial. Um, expected to open by the 2025-2026 2020, school year. They've got about three-fourths of the money that they need to build it. It's close to another elementary school on site. And as you can imagine, security measures are a top priority No kidding for this new school, you think? Yeah. Maybe? Uh,
1: <laughs> way to close the barn door after the horses already caused havoc. But um, right. yeah, I, I, I mean, they're going to have to. And it's not like you know lightning striking twice it's not like that. you know this is expected to happen in the same place again but it wasn't expected the first time so yeah it seems like that this security is something that unfortunately we need to take a lot more seriously at schools going down to the elementary level
3: okay with that we'll take a break uh one of the other big stories of the weekend is this ice hockey player and this bizarre move that happened with this blade uh If you have a a weak stomach, here's your warning about this one. But we'll get to this coming up here in KMBZ. Bit of an adult content warning here on this next story of what happened uh, with ice hockey player Adam Johnson over the weekend. And then I learned more about um, there were headlines about the worst incidents in sports or the worst injuries in sports that we're reading about. And I think the story you just put up on our thread is interesting, too.
1: Yeah, uh, well, there's a lot to get into here. So Adam Johnson uh, played in the NHL for a little while for the Pittsburgh Penguins and was playing in a game in England um, just over the last few days. And it it was a horrifying injury that took place. It's a thing that's actually happened in the NHL a couple of times, but it's never resulted in death like it did with Adam Johnson. He was slashed across the neck with a skate. And the skate blade went right through, uh, I mean, it's it's all soft tissue in there, went right through that soft tissue, and he bled out. Uh, it was just it's one of the worst injuries, obviously, uh, in hockey history. But like I said, it's it's not unknown um, to to the world of the NHL. It's just that it's never resulted in death like it did here.
3: And when I heard that, I thought, wow, I'm surprised that doesn't happen more often, given how violent and aggressive of a sport, ice hockey is.
1: Yes, and it's I guess it's just the luck of the draw. I mean, if you look at a hockey uniform, you're covered literally from neck, you're from like collarbone level all the way down to your skates. So I'm sure guys get hit with skate blades all the time. It's just that their, their uniform and the pads that are underneath them provide a level of protection that around your neck you just don't have. And one of the most famous incidents in the NHL, there were a couple – uh, that both led to uh, players being slashed across the neck. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's hard, even with guys slamming into the boards and you know flying all around the ice, it's hard to get a skate up to neck level or get a neck right. down to skate level. But mm-hmm. but Clint Malarchuk, who was the goalie for the Buffalo Sabers in 1989, uh, was slashed across the neck with a skate, totally accidental. Was, the, neither one of these incidents involved kicking or anything else like that. It was totally accidental but he caught a skate blade across the neck. It severed his jugular vein. Thankfully, it did not sever his carotid artery, but uh, he was down on the ice and then tried to get off the ice, and the door where the Zamboni comes out was locked. Mm -hmm. So there's video of this entire thing going on where he's just banging on the door, and they ask him about it later, and he said, I thought I was already dead. I I thought there's no way I'm going to make it through this, but his father was at the game. And he said, I didn't want to die on the ice in front of my dad. How how long ago was this? 1989. Wow. And then in the playoffs, uh, I want to say it was around 1997 or 98, there was another, was it Denis Sokolov? Somebody will remind us on the text line. There was another player that was also slashed across the neck. And in that case, it did nick his carotid artery, but they were still able to save his life.
3: So... Um, there's a story you'd seen out of the athletic and we can keep this part of the story going after 11 o'clock. If you have thoughts here, particularly if you have experience with hockey or your kids have experience with hockey, it's the one part of the body from what I can tell that is not covered by something that would protect them from a blade is the neck.
1: Yes. And, and that's something that may be changing. Uh, as a matter of fact, I heard from one of our listeners over the weekend, because I had posted this story up and, and a little bit about it. Um, that somebody said that they have a child in a youth hockey league here in town, they've already made the decision. Everybody's going to wear neck protection from now on.
3: Wow. Because of
1: this. So it's already happening. But unfortunately, at the NHL level, even though neck protectors are out there, nobody wants to use them. Why not? It restricts your shot. Is the theory? I mean, okay. <laughs> you know, it's 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 so, one right is with, what I want to say. With, with, yeah, <laughs> and and that's that's an absolutely appropriate response. Uh. But yeah, I mean, with all of the pieces of equipment they already wear that, that are all going to be somewhat restrictive, um, this what it is is it's essentially like a mock turtleneck, mm-hmm. and you put uh, almost like Kevlar inside that collar that goes around your neck it's little pieces of slash proof stuff so it's i mean they try to make it as unobtrusive as possible but it's one more restrictive piece of gear that players just don't want to wear now keep in mind there was a time not that long ago where most of the players didn't wear helmets wow so yeah i mean if the nhl mandates it which they may very well do after this incident then Mm -hmm. the players aren't going to have any choice
3: yeah, we can get further into this article because I think the reasons are interesting and maybe because I'm not super familiar with ice hockey, but the reasons why some of that resistance exists. And again, if you have more experience with ice hockey than I do, 913-586-7798. 7, 7, get to your comments on this next here on KMBZ.
0: in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it
2: is essential that we conclusively. Sports.
1: The clock at four. Doncic.